Hi, welcome to Talk Chinese. My name is Xiaolan. Today, we would like to talk about history in Chinese. We have an historian, Jonathan Dockdale. Jonathan is a researcher at University of Birmingham. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. Hi, Xiaolan. Hello. Yeah, which part of history do you study?、Uh, I study the Liao Dynasty, who ruled in northern China about a thousand years ago. Right. Okay. Things about history. We need to learn how to say history in Chinese first. We say 历史历史历史历史 Yeah, 历 is the first word. It's the fourth tone, and that means going through. And the character is actually combining with a few components. Yeah. First part is the planting of the grain,、mm -hmm. and then second part is going through. So when we go through the planting of the grain, we create the calendar. So Li means calendar, right? That's really interesting. Li, and if you really want to emphasize the the pronunciation, we can say L I and the fourth tone Li. Li, 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 and the second word Shi. Shi, Shi is slightly harder because the third tone, so we need to make an effort. Shi, Shi, and Shi that means to write a story using using a hand. So the character symbol. Describes using a hand to write a story. So the calendar plus writing a story together—that means history. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Chinese is logical. 历史历史 Yeah, and you study 历史 and you are the expert of 历史 So in this case, we call you a 历史学家历史学家 Yeah, 学 means to study, and in this case, it's a subject. 学学 and The character for Xue it looks complicated, but once you break them down, it's actually a little boy underneath the roof, having the action of learning, absorbing, studying things. So Xue that means to study. Again, yeah, it's very graphical. Yeah. Logical, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, logical Xue, and in this case, that means、uh, the subject of the study. So Xue, Xue. Yeah, so 历史学 that means the subject of history, and then we add the one more word 家 at the end. 家家家 Yeah, 家 originally means home. It's a character of a pig underneath the roof, because in ancient China people raised pigs at home. So 家 means home. In this case, that means the person who understands some subject really well, the expert. Yeah. The professionals, the professors, 家 so 学家 means a, a scholar. So 历史学家历史学家 Yeah, that means you are historian. Yeah, 历史学家 And then when we expand 家 we can say okay, the scientist is 科学家科学家 Yeah, 科学 is science. And then to say the person is a chemist, we say 化学家化学家 Yeah, did you see the 学 keep coming back? Yeah. So yeah, you can use it in so many different contexts. Exactly, and 学 is a study. So in this case, it's a subject. So 化 means transformation. So the study of transformation is the chemistry. 化学家化学家 Yeah, and not only in science, in the subjects, sometimes we call, for example, pianist. We call them 钢琴家钢琴家 Yeah, 钢琴钢琴家 Gangqin, Gangqin is the piano. So the pianist is Gangqin Jia. Gangqin Jia. Yeah. So when we describe someone as something Jia, that's mainly the great 
acknowledgement of the person's achievement. The person is highly recognized, either a scholar or, in the case, as a musician. We tend to describe people as like a concert pianist rather than just a piano teacher teaching a, a tutoring at home. So we say gangqinjia tend to be people who perform,、yeah. and certain subjects acquire the reputation by doing so. Gives a sense of expertise. That's right. So you are a 历史学家谢谢 Okay. So when we study 历史 do you find it very useful in terms of reflecting the human nature? Did you see that we continue doing the same thing again and again, even from your study of Liao Dynasty a thousand something years ago? Certainly, yeah. And one great example of that with the Liao Dynasty is that they created a system of Two different administrations. They ruled the people in the north of their empire differently to the south of their empire because the southern people were sedentary; they lived on farmland, and the northern people were nomadic; they lived on pastoralism and herding animals. So they had two different systems,、um, and some people see that as the basis for the new system in Hong Kong. The one country, two systems policy that China now operates in Hong Kong can be seen as kind of a Direct descendant of that original Liao policy, one thousand years ago. How interesting! Yeah. Okay. So, what's the lesson we learned? What can we do differently this time? I don't know. I think just respect on both sides. I think is the most important thing. That's something that kept the Liao in power for two hundred years. So, who, who knows how it will work out in China? Right. Okay. In your study of Liao Dynasty, you emphasize quite heavily on、uh, their influence by Buddhism. That's correct. Yeah, they were a,、yeah. a major player across East Asia, linking. Not just with China, but they also had Buddhist links with Korea and Japan, and often with history we think about China as being, you know, separate from the rest of the world. But actually, what we see with the Liao Dynasty is that they were linked to all these different places—to Korea, to Japan, to Southeast Asia, to India—through Buddhism. Right. Yeah. Sure. Of course, Buddhism started in India, and then、uh, now it's、uh, one of the major religions. In、uh, across Asia, in different countries, and with different branches. Yeah. Okay. And then the way to say Buddhism, we say 佛教佛教 Yeah, 佛教佛教 Yeah, 教 means discipline. So that could be any religion. And 佛 that's、uh, the 佛 is the abbreviation of Buddhism.、Mm, yeah. That's 佛教佛教 Yeah. And then if we want to say a Buddhist, we say 佛教徒佛教徒 Yeah, tu. That means the apprentice、mm. or followers. Yeah, yeah. And then、uh, in every religion, architecture is quite important. In Fujiao, we have a lot of temples, a lot of like a tower type. Yes, yeah, yeah. And we call Futa. Futa, yeah. Yeah, Fu is Buddha Buddhism, and Ta here is the tower. Yeah. You are the, also the expert of studying Futa, right? Yeah, that's my specialist subject. It's interesting. The character Ta didn't exist in China before Buddhism came to China, and it was created specially to describe this sort of building. Okay, so the symbol was just specifically to describe、uh, the Buddhism towers. Yeah. So what it was was that the left radical is Tu. Yeah. The soil. Yeah.、Um, and the right-hand radical. It's actually changed. The modern character is different to how it looked originally.、Mm-hmm. But the The right-hand side was originally a phonetic representation of the word for Buddha. Yep. So what it means is that the Buddha under the ground,、um, because pagodas were originally designed to be built over the site of buried. 
Buddhist relics, mm -hmm. so like remains of the Buddha or of important monks, and the pagoda is built to mark the site of this burial. Right, and then is there any specific requirement to construct a fortha? Yeah, so originally they were, were created only if you had an actual relic of the Buddha himself, Siddhartha Gautama. If you only if you had uh, a part of his his body, could you create a pagoda? But over time, obviously, he was only one person, and he lived two thousand six hundred years ago. There's not enough parts of him to go round. So <laughs> yeah, uh, often you got pagodas that were built over the uh, body of a famous monk or somebody right. who was important in Buddhism. Sure. Okay. And then. Uh... Ta, this word, of course, as you said, originally was only for the Buddhism temple, the Buddhism towers, and nowadays we call anything with similar structure, for example, the Eiffel Tower, they actually is tie ta. Tie means iron. Yeah, yeah. So what happened there was that because pagodas are so are so tall, and most Chinese architecture, if you look at the Forbidden City or something famous or the Great Wall, they're very long. Mm -hmm. But they're not necessarily very tall. Mm -hmm. So, because pagodas were the only really tall thing in the landscape, right? It became synonymous with all sorts of towers. And then, when China came into contact with other cultures and they saw towers, the the most logical character to use was ta. Ta. Yeah, that's it. So the Eiffel Tower in Paris is tie ta. And then uh, when they see like a lighthouse. Which is not really that tall, but because on the on the cliff or by the seaside, everything is quite flat, and so they call deng ta. Deng ta, yeah. Yeah, that deng is the lamp, so the lamp on top of the ta that's deng ta lighthouse. Yeah, again, following that logic of you know a light on top of a tower, a lighthouse. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, I remember when I grew up in Taipei as a kid, at that time, the water supply was quite an issue. So uh, we had something called water tower on top of every building. Yeah. We call shui ta. Shui ta, yeah. Yeah, shui is water. And then tower, in this case, is not for Buddhism purposes. It's yeah. just the, the structure stick on top of something, shui ta. It's amazing how something that came into the language 2,000 years ago to describe a Buddhist tower is now used in so many different contexts. It is, it is. And there's another one, the pyramid. The pyramid in Egypt, we call Jinzita. Jinzita, yeah. Yeah, and then... The golden tower. Yeah, the golden tower. And Jin is gold. And Zi, Zi means the character. Mm. So the golden character tower is the pyramid. Jinzita. Yeah. Okay. So it's such great fun talking to you, Jonathan. You. Uh, as a historian, your work is fascinating. And I think you should really host talk Chinese because your understanding of Chinese language and the character and culture is so deep. My Chinese still has a long way to go. Right. We definitely want to invite you to come back. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jonathan. You are a literature and you share stories with us about Buddhism, Fujiao, and the Buddhism Tower, Futa. And if you are a Buddhist person, we call you Fujiao Tu. Please don't forget to rate us, review us, and share what you have learned. 再见, Jonathan. 再见. 再见. <laughs>